the escape. This was the part I feared the most and was the easiest at the same time. I always feared my future without Lance as a deep, dark, black abyss. But when I wasn't aware of for so long was that staying was sucking me down even deeper into an energetic dark vortex. The energy of my fear versus what reality was is clear now. I had just met an old contact through Lance while signing up for insurance after we married. She and I reconnected and started talking. I shared with her my dilemma and situation and that I wanted to move out so we can work on our relationship through therapy. She connected me with another friend of hers that was in a similar situation that she had been in living with her ex for years and wanted to move out as well. I knew of an apartment complex my friend years ago encouraged me to move into while amidst my emotional anguish and trying to leave him. Her seed was planted and it remained with me to that day and my potential roommate and I went to go look at the apartment. It was perfect for us. We put our deposit down and signed the lease. We were ready to move in the next week. Back home, Lance was sleeping on the sofa which was the first in our relationship. He was removed. He didn't talk to me. He went out with his friends every night. And the silence was relieving, but also very unsettling. I was grateful for the lack of conflict. I felt I was going to be out soon, and I feared any conflict leading up to it. On the night before I moved out, he left and didn't return. He told me he'd be with his friends and don't wait up. I didn't have a chance to tell him I was moving, I feared telling him because I didn't want him convincing me not to go. And years later, I would find out in the one email correspondence we had that he hacked into my email and discovered that I had signed the lease. He gave up on me. I felt he knew and he didn't want to ask why, what my plan was, or said he was finally willing to go to therapy. He did none of those things. He wasn't willing to change. And that's from my book, Empath and the Narcissist. How to overcome narcissistic abuse, recover from PTSD, codependency, gaslighting, and manipulation. Today we're talking about the five things narcissists do when you go no contact. So after I left that relationship, I did not do a good job at going no contact. However, most of the time I did. But there was a dark energy there and I felt it and I was relieved to be leaving the dark energy and lo and behold it followed me to my new apartment. Very scary dark shadow figure but it was my spiritual awakening. And going no contact for me was not easy. Um, It wasn't torturous. On the last leaving, on the final departure, it was not torturous. But all the other periods where I moved out and moved back in seven other times, yes, it was torturous. And I got sucked back into the cycle, which I'm going to share with you the five stages of going no contact and getting sucked back in with a narcissist. And ultimately, yes, on my eighth attempt, I did leave and I remained no contact minus one females. You'll be hearing about that during this episode. Welcome back to the empath and Narcissist Podcast, Spiritual Healing with Human Design, Spirituality from Trauma and Narcissistic Abuse. Here we are empowering empaths into their power and authentic self with human design after narcissistic abuse. 
It is here as a tool to help you bust out of the prison of narcissistic abuse, of being a victim from narcissistic abuse. And it allows you to be the architect for your own joy and peace in your life. Subscribe now. So the first step, number one, that the narcissist will do after you go no contact is they will gather their troops. They will start a false narrative and a smear campaign against you. So everyone in my sphere who I thought I trusted, who I thought was family, who I didn't want to let go of ultimately, especially his mother, they believed him. They felt sorry for him. They felt empathy and they felt like, how could you not be strong enough? How could you leave him and abandon him? And I remember being part of a bridal party for his brother, but it was really would be my future sister-in-law. And this is the craziest thing about all of this, right? You have all these other connections and relationships with people you think are true and authentic, but then when they're intertwined with a narcissist and you go no contact and you leave them, you see that that relationship wasn't real. That was just a relationship by proxy. And so she called me and she said, you know, that I was uninvited to her bridal shower. I was uninvited to being part of the wedding, which I knew that part, but I still wanted to support her and go to the bridal shower. And she says, well, I can't have just random strangers coming to the, to the bridal shower. And I was like, random stranger? We were just about to be sister-in-laws. And for me standing up for myself, for me not putting up with abuse, now all of a sudden I'm a random stranger. And this these types of things happen when we go no contact. And it's infuriating because why do we have to lose everybody else when we leave? I guess because that's human nature, being part of the tribe and everyone being intertwined. But the narcissist also does a very good job at smearing our name, at playing the victim, at crying boo-hoo, and showing everyone that they did nothing wrong. And it's all on the person who left, which is you which go for you leaving, but yeah, it sucks to be the stronger and braver person. It really does suck. So they tell everyone what you did and more what they did, but it, they're telling other people that you actually did it, which is infuriating. Uh, there's so many lies and so many things that you might hear as you're still communicating with some of these proxy people that just infuriate you because it's not fair. It's not true. It's not right. It's a whole other level of when they start to smear your character. Then, you know, if they can't get to you and you're still in contact with these people and, but they can't also really get to you and you're starting to draw boundaries with them, they'll really start to smear your character. They will convince everyone that they are the sad victim. Boo-hoo, I did nothing wrong. And they'll convince everyone, the whole goal is to convince everyone that you have the mental issues and that they are the victim. They need all of the support and the attention and love because they are insecure. They need that attention. They need that support. And what you need is to not get support from everyone supporting them. You need support from healthy sources, from maybe your core family if they are still healthy, maybe from your therapist, from all of these amazing communities that now exist of narcissistic abuse survivors and these channels and the podcast. It's so incredible. So this is where you're gaining your support. Having human to human though contact is incredibly helpful. So a therapist, maybe new friends who can understand and have an open 
heart, open mind, but it has to be someone neutral. So because what will happen is as I was healing, I was still in contact with his mom. Hashtag me too came along. I, I don't know which planet was in Aquarius, but it was certainly something we were all joining together and speaking out about our abuse and just in solidarity and support to all women who have been physically assaulted one time, many times, chronically, right? And even the abuse that you endure in the bedroom is a real thing with a narcissist. They are crazy, like weird. It's a very common theme where they're very abusive in the bedroom. It's kind of a, a similar theme. So when I just posted without using his name, just like my book and everything else, I still kept him out of it. I knew he wasn't on social media. I was not trying to call him particularly out. I was just trying to join the movement and support everyone. My hashtag MeToo post, which was very neutral, got to a friend of a friend somehow, right? His social, social media and posts, especially Facebook, go through all the networks. And then that person told his brother and his brother told him. And then he threatened me and it was a horrible experience via text. And he sent me these videos and photos I talk about in my book to try and blackmail me. And I'm like, yeah, I know I've made some mistakes in my life. And here's what you guys are going to hear about in my book. Because we, that's what we do. We all make mistakes to try and please the narcissist. So that didn't work. And I was upset. I think I was texting his mom or like, oh my gosh, he just like, text assaulted me like such this barrage of horrible texts threatening to ruin my life and blackmail me and what's your address so I can cease and desist I'm like who in their right mind would give this madman their address via text but anyways they're so arrogant they're blinded <laughs> by their offense so this all happened and I I'm sure I reached out to her because I still thought that she was a trusted solace. This is the thing you have to be very careful with people connected. And she said, I, you've made a mess of everything, blaming it on me. And I'm like, you of all people, you're blaming me. You're blaming the victim, right? So this is what we have to be careful of. They smear your character. So I had to cut off contacts with her. That was not a healthy relationship. I, you cannot stay connected to the narcissist. And I was arrogant to think that she was going to take my side over her flesh and blood child who is hers. No, we cannot be arrogant either. Just because that that person is wrong doesn't mean that flesh and blood is not going to defend them. So that was my life lesson. Just don't be arrogant. So I would advise the same thing. Sometimes we think that those people will not turn against us, but they will because the narcissist is their flesh and blood because the narcissist has smear campaigned you, has defamed your character, has cried the victim for so long. So you really have to expect the worst case scenario and do the healing work. Do the healing work and be prepared to say, I don't care what you say about me. I don't care at all. I know it's not true. If they don't know it's not true, that's also their problem. And they're not someone to be in your inner circle or in your life at all. Number two is they flaunt their new source supply. So for instance, if they can't get a hold of you and they can't reach, you know, get you in their grasps anymore, you're staying strong and you're staying no contact, then they will flaunt their new supply in front of you. 
they are insecure, remember. They need supply. They need someone to constantly validate them and to project their crap onto. They need that other person to be the target to manipulate and to get away with whatever behavior that they normally always get away with. So sometimes they'll go to their ex. They'll go back to their ex. Sometimes they'll go to the person. Obviously, if they're cheating on you, they're going to stay with that person. They're cheating on you and everyone's going to, you know, speak of how it's true love and you were just not the right person for him or you were just a bad person or didn't give him proper love and this new supply does. Don't believe all the BS. They're going to, you know, post things up on social media everywhere if they're on social media or they'll meet someone new really fast and you hear through, you know, mine didn't have social media so I just heard through some gossip chain that he was with someone again and, you know, it's like, I was with someone again too, so good for you. Like, I don't care. But they're jealous. They get really jealous. So when he found out I was with someone new pretty quickly too, that was my own codependent. Like, I tried to be on my own, but honestly, I didn't even seek him out. He landed in my lap, and I was so, so grateful. And he's he's healthy. He's not another narcissist. You have to be very careful. You might run into another narcissist. So anyways, long story short, he found out I was with someone jealous and he started again smear campaigning me and saying that I was cheating on him while we were together. It's like, no, I, I was not. I literally, he landed in my lap two weeks later and it was just like a spark right away. So these things happen. They will make up things. They will convince other people of what is not true and that that will be their gospel truth to everyone. So you just have to be very mindful to keep that out. So you don't want to see them and you don't want to see the new supply because then you're going to feel really bad for the new supply as well and be like, oh my God, like I should warn her. Oh yeah, if you warn her, it's all going to go back to the narcissist. He's going to convince her that you're the crazy one and then it's going to backfire on you. So don't even try that. Just block your ex, the narcissist everywhere. Don't engage. Don't even see it. Physically, maybe you have to visit different places that you used to frequent. I had PTSD, so I did not want to visit the places that we frequented like ever, ever again. So running into him was not a problem because I never, ever wanted to go there. But if it's something like part of your routine, find other places, locations so that you don't run into them on accident. And yes, it's not fair. It's not fair. I affirm that. But it is what it is. They are insecure and they need that supply. So what you need to do is continue to do your healing work, focus on your self-worth, focus on what qualities you have that you love about yourself, work on your inner child and really being that parent to your inner child who is freaking out right now. I can imagine your eight-year-old self just having a major drama meltdown. That's your inner child being triggered. So be that parent for your inner child and calm yourself down in healthy ways. Block everywhere so that you don't run into it. And that will allow you to be immune to their, it's a tactic. It, they're trying to get you to be jealous. They're trying to get you to be pulled back in and reach back out to them. And then the sad thing is, is you're just using that other girl, the supply or the boy as a tool. And so if you do get hoovered back in, they're going to just easily discard them just as they discarded you. So this is not a person you want to be running back to. 
they don't treat anyone with any decency, respect, or care for them being a human being and having feelings and, and a heart. So speaking of triggers, I just created a workshop. It is free access, and then you can leave a tip, pay as you wish um, after you go through it. It is a remarkable uh, somatic healing journey that I went through after being triggered and attacked and had this full body trigger experience, which is so common. It was so surreal and it was happened recently and it's happened all the way back in the past. Remember I told you about those texts, your body's trembling, you're in panic mode, you're fight or flight, and it's just excruciating. You can't function. You just completely shut down. This is what happens to our bodies and our minds. And so I guide you through a process of how to cleanse all of that out of your body, how to shake it out. I do a saging ceremony for you. We do a meditation and some really powerful mantras to help you ground yourself and regain that power back. So that's free in the link in the show notes description and join me in that workshop. So the third phase is hoovering. They will attempt to suck you back into the abuse cycle. So be prepared, right? Because if you're jealous and you're seeing it and you're commenting or you're even being angry and accusing you, they're going to use any type of reach out that you do to them to hoover you back in. So remember I said it was easy at the end for me to leave. It was only easy because it was excruciatingly hard the seven other times I tried to leave. I hoovered myself back in, which some of us do, uh, or they will call and hoover you back in. Hoover just means suck. They just sucking you back into the vortex. So it's the attentions, it's the text, it's the phone calls. And for me, I felt guilty. I felt sorry. And this was the pattern of abuse. It's emotional abuse where... They give you the silent treatment. That means that you did something wrong. And so now you're contemplating and introspecting and thinking, what did I do wrong? Did I overreact? Oh my gosh, I overreacted. That was such a silly argument. I can't believe we just argued about that. And I moved out because of that silly argument. What did I just do? I don't want to stay moved out. You literally feel like your arm is off of your body. Like when they're not around and part of your life, there's a piece of your body gone, that is actually an energetic cord being in pain and pulling you back together. There are energetic cords that occur when we get attached to people, healthy and unhealthy. And this one, of course, is unhealthy. This energetic cord gets latched into your heart and you get pulled back in. Either you call and apologize and say, I'm so sorry, I overreacted. I can't believe I did that. Like, how can we fix this? How can we resolve this argument? And the narcissist will say, oh, well, if you just do this, then we'll be fine. Come back home. I, I forgive you. Sometimes they'll do a fake apology or they won't do an apology at all because you won't ever require it because you feel so guilt because you feel like you did all the wrong stuff. And that's exactly how the narcissist trains you. They train you to take all the crap and the flack and the responsibility for everything. And you just take it on because you're just such an open hearted person and more, maybe some childhood trauma. So this hoovering doesn't just happen right away. This hoovering can actually occur after a decade, after their other supply has finally been done with them and left. It was so strange about 10, 11 years later after I left, 
and I've been doing this work, I got a random email from a female name, but it was super sketchy. And like when you've experienced a narcissist, like your eyes are on the radar for any scam. You can pick up any scam, especially with all these crazy being on in the online space and there's so many people spamming your email. So this didn't look like a spam, but I knew it was like odd because it was just like the subject line was like, hey girl. And I was like, what? This is, who, who says, hey girl, this obviously isn't professional, but it's not personal because everyone I know personally doesn't like e li listeners and, and clients, they email this email, not just like a person who would say, hey girl to me. And my gut, my in, my intuition said it's him. Didn't even open it. I was like, that's creepy. That's him. I'm closing it. And I'm not even going to like see the hoovering can happen through any any means. And so I just deleted it. And I was like, oh, shake that off. Right. So the hoovering can happen at any time for you. You may blatantly know that they are trying to hoover you back because they're now not with their new supply. So it's, it's completely unique for every single one of you. So comment below, what are your experiences with hoovering? How did they reach out to you? Other people need to know this to share, to be aware. Was it a text? Was it an email? Did they have some like weird like slogan? Did they apologize? Did they just be like, hey girl, <laughs> like a creepy guy in your DMs? Or what, what was it? How did they do that? Comment below. So don't be flattered by the hoovering. This is not about you and like valuing uh, your worth. You value your worth all on your own. This is this is about them and their agenda. They're and trying to to get their own sick needs met through whatever easy means possible. So don't make it easy on them. All right. So number four, if they can get their hook into you through the hoovering, they will then love bomb you back into their grips. The thing with no contact and enough time in between, the narcissist now can play the game, but I've changed. I've worked on myself. They can lie and say they've read this book or that book or, you know, I went to therapy. Maybe they went for one session. Maybe they went never and they're still lying to you and they can hook you back in. They can idealize you and they can romanticize you and they can idealize the relationship and just sell you on why you should come back and you should start dating again. Now, this is a really dangerous, slippery slope to go down with the narcissist who has hurt you. And there was a real good reason why you went no contact. Just reminding you because it took me seven times to be reminded. Oh, yeah. That's why I moved out because it was more than just the argument that made me move out. It was the daily, constant, emotional, and sexual abuse. Constant. And the isolation and the talking down to me lectures and how he's so much smarter and better than me. Daily. It was, it's all of the compilation of the daily abuse. That's why you left. Not because of a silly argument. That was just the trigger point. So it's a slippery slope if you let them back in and they love bomb you because then it's just going to start the whole, it, now you're going to be truly trauma bonded. It's going to start the whole cycle all over again. And you're going to go back and then maybe a few months, everything's great and fine. And they're, they're going to show you how respectful they are, how on time they are. Like 
Whatever the problem was, they're going to change that behavior for just a few months until you get comfortable. And then they're going to start to twist it all back on you again. And they're going to start to devalue you. And if they slip up and make a mistake, then it's your fault. And on and on the cycle goes. Them faking the love bombing and bringing you back in, it's just BS. Because every year, every day, every month after, their actions never change. It's just BS. So you have to find a way during this no contact, excruciatingly painful time to ground yourself, to not reach out, to not think that love is going to conquer all, that love is going to save this. Love can help you from a very high vibrational empowering part when you have to face something, but why choose to go back in and face it when you don't have to? And you can have healthy relationships with others outside of this toxic cycle. It's just toxic. It, it's, that's all it is. And if they're not even willing to change, if they're not willing to take any responsibility, it will never change. Year after year, it will never change. A lot of people don't want to change. We can't comprehend this because we are highly sensitive empaths who are constantly wanting to change for other people. And maybe that's our pathological flaw as well. We're morphing and changing and, oh, look, ha, ha, over here. And, oh, I'm going to be emo over here. Whatever it is, like that is our journey to heal, right? Working on yourself and healing is important. Learning about your human design and knowing, oh, I have an open will center. So when I'm talking with someone, I'm super excited about whatever they're selling me. And even though you may pose some objections, it's not strong enough objections for them to really get it because they're so excited about what they're selling and they're going to just sell you right in, right? And you say, please, sir, may I have another? And if that's projection and abuse, and that's what's going to happen. So you have to know these things about yourself and guard yourself up and say, that sounds interesting. Let me think about that and get back to you. And either get back to them or don't. The other thing is if you have an open solar plexus, this means that you have the uh, excruciating experience of feeling emotions. So the silent treatment is not like a silent treatment for those who have it defined. That's still excruciating. But for those who have it open, it's like, a hundred times more excruciating. So we may be weaker to give in to that silent treatment and do whatever that narcissist wants us to do, no matter if it's even against the law, no matter if it's just horrible for everyone in the room, we will do it. And this is the burden of, of knowing now your design and now being strong enough to stand up and say no. You have to be strong. And so all the BS and all the lies from what we're talking about, the love bombing, I went down a rabbit hole, sorry, is BS. So you have to tap into your inner authority and your power. Where is your power? Where is your inner authority? Is that in your sacral where you're like, this feels really off in my gut. This is not right. Then believe it. It's not right. If it's in your emotional solar plexus and you're feeling these emotions that are off and you have that power to know like, nope, that's not right. Nope. No, thank you. That doesn't feel right either. Right. Where is your inner authority? And this is why 
We talked about that in the exclusive episode on the podcast, Inner Authority. Which one do you have? Comment below. If you don't know, grab your free chart and the link in the description. But inner authority is your superpower that your soul has picked in this body here on earth to listen to your intuition and figure out how to make right choices. And the last one, stalking. The narcissist, because you've been in their grasp and you've somehow affected that you somehow can be a problem for them in the future and affecting their ego and their status and their projection out into the world, they will always have tabs on you. They will always be waiting or stalking or watching because they don't want to go to jail or they don't want to be outed. They don't want the truth to come out. We see this in the main stage right now. So many things are happening where there's projections and lies and the truth doesn't want to be out. This happens in our personal lives. So if you have been pulled in, just know that the leaving will be like a hundred times harder because now you're embarrassed. Maybe now at this time they've taken away your credit card or whatever, like you quit your job and now you're really stuck because you went all in to fix this relationship. So maybe that meant quitting your job and now you're all in with no money and now you like, how do I get out, right? There's other ways too. If you do have money, it's still just emotionally excruciating, the trauma and the bond. But I always say, if we're working on ourselves, we can find the power within our mistakes. So fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Now take the responsibility. What are you believing? What are you getting out of the scenario for staying? Is it you don't want to risk embarrassment and everyone's saying, well, you're such a fool. I told you not to go back. That's your pride. Your pride is keeping you stuck in something that is killing you, hurting you, making you chronically ill every day. Let go of that pride. That pride is not serving you. That's a low vibration, negative energy. Number two, could it be that you have fear? I feared being alone and a lonely old hag that no one would ever love. And I believed the lie he fed me for so many years that he was the only one that could love me. They say that. I'm the only one that can truly love you. You know what the irony of that is? They only love you as a cardboard cutout of what they've made you. They don't love you unconditionally for who you authentically are. As soon as you're authentic, they push you down as hard and fast as they can. Just trying to smash you back into that cardboard perfect image. That's not you. So no, 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 they don't love you. They truly can never love you for who you truly are. It's quite the opposite. So just be mindful that they may be watching or stalking. So of course, if you have children, always be a step ahead. If you finally won in custody battles, you know, gone through all of that, always keep everything documented, be vigilant. They will be quiet for decades until one day they're not. So just be very vigilant, just as much as they're vigilant. Unfortunately, that's just part of being an abuse survivor. Hypervigilance. We can be balanced, vigilant, but just always be smarter and more ahead because they may want to seek revenge. And I hear a lot that narcissists seek revenge through 
child custody and can drag on the custody battle and drain your finances. If you want to learn more about how to get ahead of that game, listen to the episode that aired January 16th on how do I prepare for a custody battle with a narcissist with our guest, Stephanie Ann. She's an attorney. It was so remarkable. I loved listening and hearing about that. So if you need any support in that, there you have that episode to get your support. And narcissists also will wait and then if they have any leverage, any power, any connection to relationships that you currently have with somebody or something, they will wait and then pounce like a lion, a hiding lion. It really does seem like a hiding lion thing where it's like, wait, wait, they're quiet, they're quiet, everything's fine, and then pounce. They bombard you with text messages of lawsuit threats and everything. So just be mindful, always be prepared, stay a step ahead, block them from all your socials, continue your no contact, you are doing the right thing, you are not doing anything wrong by speaking your own truth, you don't need to go like slander them, you don't need to go hack them like all these darn hackers who are posting in all of our narc abuse support comments, no, you don't need to do anything that the narcissist will do, stay strong stay above the thread and take away their leverage in advance to get ahead of them yep and then stay there so i hope that this episode has helped you with understanding no contact if you're struggling with no contact i really truly hope that i've inspired you to stay no contact and join me this week. I'll be going live on YouTube right here or Instagram at 12 p.m. PST this Wednesday where I will be investigating more spiritual karmic paths, kind of a continuation of last week, and share with you with them. And I'll have a friend joining me and we'll be sharing about the 10 behaviors of the narcissist. So make sure you're subscribed and tuned in. If you're listening on the podcast and you wish to join these lives on Instagram or YouTube, then make sure you're on the mailing list where I will send you the link to them or follow me on Instagram at Empath and the Narcissist Podcast and tune in Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific time live. And with that, I will bid you adieu. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Comment below what resonated with you and what your experience has been so that you we can share more awareness to all of our listeners and watchers here on YouTube, the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, feel free to reach out to me. If you've grabbed any of these freebies I've offered, you will be added to the newsletter list. So you'll be receiving heartfelt, warming, supportive blogs from me in the email. And you can always hit reply to any of those. I do personally monitor my emails. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. Thank you so much for tuning in to the end of this podcast episode and being an empath member here in the community. Don't forget to grab your free somatic healing workshop and or human design chart report in the show notes. I need your help. Please rate and review my newest book, Empath's Guide to Rising Strong, a human design guidebook. You can grab a free Kindle Unlimited copy to read and review or grab a beautiful paperback copy on Amazon. Be sure to listen to the Empath and Narcissist Audible book if you haven't already, or you can grab your paperback on Amazon. 
It is a profound exploration of my journey in healing, providing you with tools for healing as well. All the links are in the show notes. Losing time, I'm fading fast. I just wanna make it last. Try to let go of the past. I close my eyes, embrace the blast. Sleepless nights and headaches stack. Restlessness to hell and back. What's my purpose? What do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack. And sometimes you just gotta go.